You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. It's Wednesday, September 7th, 2022. Joined with, by Christina Dennis, my co-host. How are you doing, Christina? I am doing very well, Damon Frank. How are you? I am doing fabulous. We have a great Wednesday after Labor Day weekend. Uh, Great show today. Great show today that we've got. We're we're talking about a topic that I think most people in recovery can identify with. Absolutely. It's... And and it's important that we bring this information because I think it'll be really helpful. But before we do that, I want to thank everybody who's downloading the podcast. Please download it. Give us a comment, a like, a follow. Uh, Let your other buddies know about it that are also in recovery. We really, really appreciate all of your support. And uh, thank you. Love the comments. Love to bring you information that will be helpful in your recovery. Absolutely. Thank you so much for everybody who likes, shares, follows, and comments. It really does wonders, Christina. And also it gets it allows us to know, get to know you and yep. to have that important recovery conversation. So, Christina, I've got a great show for us today. We've got a great show uh, for this Wednesday and a topic that everybody can relate to in recovery, worrying. Worrying in recovery. I know you're not a worrier. I know you've never worried. Um, So you're going to have to fake it on this one. I think I'll uh, be okay. (laughs) I have to reach back into my vault. No, honestly, worry in recovery, I think is, um, it's impossible not to have it. I really have not met people uh, that don't. I mean, maybe an occasional unicorn, but I think especially when we let go of our anesthesia, Uh, All of a sudden, you know, you may feel worry more than you ever have because we are upfront with our emotions. We are facing our situations head on most of the time or at least learning how to. And I think worry is inevitable. What do you think? Yes. Well, you know what? Um, I, I, I do believe that some people are prone to being warriors. Right? Absolutely. They are prone to being warriors. I'm one of those people. I, I like to ruminate go mm-hmm. over things. What could I have done better? You know, look, I think if you are a codependent or perfectionist, worrying is just part of the deal because we're trying to get it right all the time. Right. And if yeah. you're a people pleaser, you want to do well, you know, it's always about what are people going to think? Did I do it well? Did I do it right? Um, right. You know, like I've said on other episodes, one of my good friends in uh, my old school group says, alcoholics are the only people who regret the future, right? So we can, <laughs> we can get ourselves worked up uh, and worrying about things that really don't matter. That's been oh. my experience. And I think, I think people in recovery, honestly, Christina, just to say this, and I'd love your opinion on it. I think we're more prone to it. Um, I think uh, especially after we're sober, we don't want to lose what we have. So there's a lot of worrying, like, am I going to lose what I have? Uh, I totally agree. Once we stop the self-destructive behavior, we, uh, like you said, want to hold on to what we have. And I I still remember the first couple of years. And when we work with clients, this shows up, you know, you have the relapse dream or all of a sudden you have awareness about everything that could happen. You know, if you were like me living kind of in a stupor, uh, you know, I did that on purpose so that I didn't have to think about that. Oh, if I worry, I'll just pick up a drink. If it starts showing up, the terror. You know, something I learned uh, last year uh, in neuroscience is that, you know, 
we have this uh, way of of actually checking the brain now with a you know EEG, and we can see what lights up. And there was a study. Go ahead. No, no, was, I was just going to say that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> the neuroscience of it all is super important. So cool. And what uh, what they learned from this study was that we actually get a hit in our brain when we worry about something and it comes true, like very similar to a gam uh, gambling addict's brain. Isn't that interesting? Like people get a little payoff from it. So you really have Very to safeguard safeguard your brain and what you're putting your thoughts toward and what you're what you're thinking because people can get real. I mean, I've met those people. People can get really addicted to the worry. And then there's this kind of like little you know, dopamine hit, like, oh, I was worried and it came true. And I think that's very tricky. And it really helped me start thinking about, okay, what am I actually spending my time and thought power toward? What am I, what am I doing in my recovery? Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things about worry is that uh, you can end up manifesting what you're worrying about, right? Because you're mm. thinking about it in your consciousness all the time. I think that this is one of the things that uh, specifically related to recovery. If you're listening to this podcast and you're in recovery and you're saying, you know, I worry, I'm kind of an obsessive warrior. I think one of the red flags here with people in recovery is that we can really get ourselves worked up. You know, one of the things I like to do is to check out the the definition of, of what a word is. So I know that I'm actually talking about it correctly. Right. Oh, and good. I just put it up on the screen here for the people that uh, are listening on the podcast. I'll read it. it says worry, give way to anxiety or unease, allow worry one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. He worried about his soldiers and sons in the war. Right. Uh, they gave an example. But what I love about this is that it's unease. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's also uh, it, it's allow it. It's it's really dwelling on the unease, right? So living in the unease, in my opinion, in recovery is very dangerous because what's going to happen is you're going to, the universe is just going to say, all right, Damon, you want more unease? I'll give you more unease. I'll give you more things to worry about. And when I'm in that state of worry, what ends up happening is all I see are things to be worried about. Whereas right. opposed to moving out of that consciousness and moving into more of a gratitude state, something at a little higher vibration, which we talk about here uh, at the Recovered Life Show a lot, is getting out of that consciousness, getting into a new consciousness of expecting the best, expecting the best from people, expecting good things to show up, right? I then tend to see all the good things that show up. Oh, yeah. I mean, truly, I think that that is one of the most important things we learn in recovery long before the law of attraction was actually put out. You know, I was uh, 25 years, you know, this is long before I think that law of attraction or the secret came out in 2006. But I was taught from, a, from the first day of recovery that what we focus on gets bigger. And sometimes I just need to remind myself of that, like what I'm focusing on is getting bigger. And so, you know, we now know through neuroscience, it's actually, you know, sending a message to your brain, your reticular activating system to start looking for things to worry about. And so it does take a certain amount of awareness. We know that we're the thinker of our thoughts, not our thoughts. And it takes a, a discipline to catch yourself going there. And I think your tool of gratitude is amazing. You know, have you ever seen, Christina, people being taken out uh, and relapsing through worry? Yes. Yes, of course. Of course I have. And it's it's so hard because, you know, I, I, 
everybody knows I'm a great little recovering codependent. And it's so easy to, um, to do that as a codependent, to ruin relationships, to start doing controlling behaviors, which then lead to either codependent slips, or if you are an alcoholic, not a para-alcoholic, yeah, it can take you out. It's just too hard. Your body, your your uh, trauma is all flared. I think they the word that they use these days is futurizing, uh, which is absolutely uh, what if you've come through a twelve step, we get warned against doing. But I have. Have you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think what it you know what happens is, and you see this a lot in transitional recovery, transitional places, right? Where maybe somebody is leaving a rehab facility and they're not quite really ready to go back into a uh, full-time unassisted living, right? Right. Uh, situation. And what will happen is they'll worry about a court date. They'll worry about finances. They'll worry about like, these are all very common things in early recovery, especially finances and relationships, right? And they'll worry themselves right into a reality that is so bad that they pick up to relieve it. And I mm. think one of the things that I've noticed in working with others in coaching is one of the reasons to identify if you're an obsessive warrior, you want to get that out of you. You want to start getting tools to yes. move out of that worry because what will happen is you will soon generate something to really worry about and it becomes too overwhelming. And what happens is, is it's kind of a build up, build up, build up, build mm -hmm. up. It's a wave that comes out. And then the next thing you know, the wave is on top of you and you don't have the tools to be able to say no, right? You're either in a bad situation. I've seen this where mm -hmm. it's, oh, I got to go to this birthday party. It's in a bar, no big deal. But they've been worrying for a month and a half, right? And building up this anxiety. And they're so overwhelmed that they have no barrier right? To, to that first drink. So I think, you know, and it's the same thing with codependency. I think the more we worry, the more we find people to be codependent with, because it relieves, uh, it relieves that compulsion, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's at least it's some sort of solution. It's some sort of relief. Well, and, and I mean, I think there's even uh, something underneath all of that. When we go to worry as the norm, we're not living in our lives, you know, it's a distraction. It's a way of uh, not, you know, delaying the inevitable when you have to think about what is really happening in your life. There are true worry. I mean, staying sober is, is you know, we know the statistics. If you can make it to five years, 85% of us stay sober. But if you are in that first five years and you have an uneven focus on what is good and what is bad, uh, you're going to bring that to the forefront because you can't help Absolutely. it. You can't. Absolutely. I mean, all humans have negative bias. And so I think it's realistic to say that our brain, we know our brains are trained to find the dangers, right? To keep us alive. We also know our brains are incredibly lazy. So if, if this feels good, if you have a little payoff, your brain's going to go to it every single time. And it takes discipline to pull away from that and make sure that you're focusing on the good that can happen. Um, and I, I'm, I say this with all of the heart that I can come up with. I know that people are scared. You know, I myself have been scared many, many times in recovery when I had sobriety. But ultimately, whatever I'm doing that takes me away from here and now is robbing me of my life. 
Absolutely. You know, and I think that is the big thing. It's like, we don't want to get sober and be miserable. So if you're listening to this and you're a chronic warrior, when we come back from this quick break, Christine and I are going to break down what we have used personally to, to get worry out of our life and what we use with our clients to help them along this path. So hold tight. We're going to be back after this very quick break. If you are newly sober, trying to get sober, or you've been sober for decades and are looking to take your sobriety to the next level, the Recovery Breakthrough six-week transformation concierge coaching program might be right for you. Have Damon Frank and Christina Dennis build a custom roadmap to get you on the path to getting what you really need. Receive hands-on concierge coaching and stay focused and productive with our daily check-ins. If you're ready to experience your recovery breakthrough and start the journey towards the transformation you deserve, book a free get to know you call today and find out what is possible in your recovery. To find out more about recovery breakthrough and to book your free call, go to recoveredlife.us. That's recoveredlife.us. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show. Okay, Christine, I promise when we got back from the break, we were going to dive into some solutions with worrying. If you're a chronic worrier, if you can't stop that, that, that compulsion to worry, every day you wake up and you define yourself as a worrier looking for things to worry about, listen, listen very closely uh, to what Christine and I are going to have to say because we might be able to give you a tool that you can get free from that worry obsession. Christina, what's your big tool here? Like if oh. you're if you're trapped, what do you what what's your go-to uh tool to get out of this? Well, absolutely. And this is the fun part of being a recovery coach. When we're working with clients, one of the things that we spend some time on is actually building uh a a you know, lug, lug, luggage, like a tool that actually looks at what could possibly happen that was good. You know, we want to have gratitude for what's happened, but many of us don't have examples of really good lives or uh, actual people to think upon to say, okay, they have, you know, success leaves clues, right? So I need to make my brain aware of, I need to make my consciousness aware of what if it didn't go wrong? And so when we do uh, work with people, we do a fear inventory, like you said, we look it in the eye, but we also make sure that we have other schemes. You know, it's called a schema. We ha- our brain has other examples of what could happen that would be good. It's often that I work with somebody and they explain what they're worried about. And I actually ask them to pivot over to some kind of solution that maybe the worst won't happen. Maybe something really good will happen out of it. And it never surprises me that people struggle with looking for a positive outcome versus a negative outcome. Yeah, I think um, I, I, I think that that's so important because looking for that positive thing, you will find positive things. You know, yes. Christina, one of the things that I use that have been very successful 
um, besides my little allergy attack I'm having right now. <laughs> uh, but but uh, one of the things that I've I've used that has been very successful is to start writing things down. Yeah. Um, getting things out of my head, and I you know I did this with a client not too long ago, where you know there was a lot of obsessive worrying going on, and what we did is we started to write down what we were worried about. And the first thing that I did is I went through and I said, okay, let's look at all these things. Is there a solution for any of these things? Right. And many of the things that, uh, that this person was worrying about were things that couldn't be changed. And one of the things we have to, I think, realize in recovery is things that can't, things that have no solution are called facts. Yes. Right. Like, (laughs) I can like I could want to be six four and 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 play for the Lakers, but if I'm five two, it's a fact I'm five two, right? Right. So there there's no sense of worrying about the facts because the facts right. are just the facts. It's just what it is, right? So um, defining what is a fact and what is an opinion, right, or what is something that really maybe that is something tangible. That mm-hmm. I think is a very, very first important step. You know, many times we're just we're just uh, upset about facts. And I know right now I deal with a lot of high performing people. Like that's mm-hmm. my thing, right? And a lot of people right now are worried about the economy. They've done well. You know, mm-hmm. I have a lot of recovered business people. They've done well, Christina, right? Like they've gone, they got sober, they were broke, they did the deal, they've, you know, they've accumulated things, they, they've got businesses, they have some success. And the worry is the economy is bad, we don't want to lose it, right? Like, and so the economy is some sort of like thing that's out there that we really don't have much control over. We just have control over what we do. So putting these, so finding out what is a fact and what is, you know, what is my interpretation of it? And what is maybe something tangible when you take all those tangibles and you could say, you know, I could see why you would worry about these. What can yep. we actually do? What actions can we really put in place here that would, so we don't have to spend time worrying, we can spend time doing. Ooh, yes. I think you're dangerously close to that acceptance piece, right? Of recovery, uh, accepting what is and life on life's terms. And yes, I mean, without any kind of control, which I think a lot of us start figuring that out, we are not in control of people, places and things. There isn't very much that you can do. So why worry about it? Why spend that energy focusing and refocusing somebody to what they can do and giving them options and examples that they can, you know, duplicate, that they can model uh, their life after is going to be one of the biggest steps to opening up your world. Uh, understanding that it's not a moral moral issue, all right? You're not bad because you worry is also something that I want to say in today's show, because I think a lot of people start thinking that they're doing recovery wrong because they're still having all of these feelings. It's just a weak spiritual muscle, right? And they need to work that muscle. They need to train their brain Mm. to see when worry has been fruitless. Because I can tell you, uh, hearing from somebody else, don't worry, be happy. I mean, we're both older and we know that song isn't always effective. So what I like about what you're saying is we turn toward it and we have acceptance and then we commit to somebody, you know, a coach, a, a mentor, a, whoever you're working with, um, it, we commit to them that we're going to move forward on the things that we can actually change. 
Yeah, well, you know, I love when you're talking about acceptance here because now you're really getting into the spiritual principles of it, right? Right. But the reality for most people, and I know for me, right? Like I was ready. Um, I, I was worrying about stuff. I wasn't quite at acceptance. Maybe acceptance was six months out, a year out, three months out, two weeks out. But I could still take positive actions in the meantime. And I remember somebody telling me, it's like, all right, look, you got to identify, Damon, how much time you're actually spent worrying. And this is interesting because in high performance stuff, like when, when I am coaching somebody who, you know, has a business or whatever, and they've gotten sober, there's this compulsion. I've got to make up for all that lost time. I wasn't right. perfect. I didn't do it right. Right. So you got to get by past that. And just like past episodes that we've had with chronic thinking, obsessive thinking, which mm -hmm. I can relate to, I could just sit and think about things for a long time. With worry, what I tend to do is I try to put it in a bucket a little bit and compartmentalize it. And I know you don't want to do that with every feeling you have, but I find with uh, obsessive thinking and worrying, this works great. Because what I could do is I, could, I started billing myself for that worry. So if I found myself drifting off through the day and it was two hours of worry, then mm -hmm. I'd put a price tag on that. Okay, that 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 I'm worth $100 an hour, let's say, or $50 an hour, or $300 an hour, whatever you want to price yourself at. Start adding up how much of your time, you know, because money puts a value on your time. Start sure. adding up at the end of the week how much money you've spent of your time worrying. And you're going to find that, wow, that's a lot. That that That's something to worry about right there. Right. <laughs> so true. And what you're talking about is pulling back and, and, and having the discipline of realizing that these are just thoughts. You know, these really are just thoughts that we can change. And we're not talking about, you know, toxic positivity. Right. That's not what we're saying. And you uh, when you share that, we look at it and really look at it in the face. That is how we get through to the other side. You know, I, I, I think that a lot of stuff um, can be untangled when you start sharing your thoughts and you start becoming aware that that other people have made it through those situations, that something good has come out of something that we thought would be terrible. And you really, really start training yourself. So you know, if you have a lot of worry in your life, it's time to start talking to somebody, you know, figuring out the costs, uh, figuring out what it's robbing you of, what joy are you not, uh, you're not obtaining because you're spending your time in the worry cycle. And I think the big thing, the big lesson here, I think that we're all saying no matter what the approach of, whether you use Christina's approach, my approach or a hybrid version or something else, it's get that worry out of your head Mm -hmm. Get it out. Talk to somebody about it. Put it on paper. Start to actually really look at it because what you're going to find is you're spending a lot of time and a lot of energy uh, worrying about things that might or might not happen. You know, I, I, Christina, I've got to throw this out too because I, when we were doing this episode, I, I really was thinking about it a little bit. You know, I was like, mm -hmm. okay, what can I share with people that would have a really big impact, right? Like, What's my perspective on worry? Because look, I've had my share of worry over sure. over three decades, right? I've had my share of worry and I still can get sucked into that. Not as much, but I still can get sucked into, oh my gosh, I'm worrying about this, worrying about that. At the end of the day, you know what I found, Christina, in recovery is the worst case scenario rarely happens and the absolute best case scenario rarely happens. It's somewhere in the middle. I was right. telling a friend that the other day. It's like, you know, uh, I'm not, you know, if I'm worried about finances, 
you know, I might not make that total pinnacle amount of money that I thought I was going to make, but I'm also not homeless either. Right. Like, hey. and have no money. So it's somewhere in the middle, uh, you know, and I hate the word balance. You know, I want to strike that from my vocabulary and the dictionary. I hate the word balance and recovery because I just think it's an unattainable thing, but it does apply here. It does balance out. It is somewhere in the middle. Right. And what I started to be able to train myself with Christina is just to say, Hey, could I live with it? If I played full out and it yes. happened somewhere in the middle, could I live with that outcome? And many, most times it's like, absolutely. I could absolutely. Right. I could. Right. And I could always go back to the, I could always go back up to the, 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 the mound and take another swing at it later. Right. Absolutely. Not, rarely are things one and done forever. Usually have chances to be able to do, to, to be able to do things. So that's my big message to people. It's like, you know what, it's not going to be the worst case scenario and it might mm -hmm. not be the best case scenario anywhere. It's going to be somewhere in that gray middle. It sure is. And if you can live in this moment right now, you have a way better chance of not having what you're worried about coming to fruition. So absolutely ground yourself, start embracing the spiritual teachings of, you know, any program that you want to use, work with somebody, you deserve to live a life without worry being, you know, the passenger front seat passenger in your car. Absolutely. You guys, we know that our best recovery is in the right here, right now. So we hope that everybody goes out and lives their best recovered life and does that lives in the right here, right now, because that is where the miracles happen. Christina Dennis, thank you so much. This has been a great episode. Uh, we're going to see you back. What? It's going to be uh, Monday. We're going to join us back for another Recovered Life show. I would like to remind everybody, if you're not participating in the Recovered Life discussions, you're probably hearing them here on the podcast. You know, jump into our clubhouse room uh, every week, four days a week, Christina and I are on clubhouse having conversations that matter in the recovered life discussions. So join us there. You can find out more about it on our website, recoveredlife.us. And everybody go out and live your best recovered life. Bye. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.